ComC.com is your home for buying, selling, and flipping all the hottest trading cards. Their consignment marketplace is home to over 26 million cards across all sports, genres, and eras. With a ComC.com account, you can purchase cards from different sellers over time, ship them home together later, or immediately reprice them for sale on the ComC marketplace. ComC reached an incredible milestone during this year's national by processing their 100 millionth item. ComC looks forward to offering safe and easy trading card consignment for years to come and continuing to focus on fulfilling their mission to optimize everyone's enjoyment of the hobby. To stay updated with ComC, please follow them on social media at Check Out My Cards on all platforms. To learn more about the exciting changes being made at ComC, please visit blog.comc.com. You're listening to the Wax Pack Hero Sports Card Minute, a podcast where we discuss both the hobby and business sides of collecting. I'm your host, Mike Summer, and I want to help you buy, sell, and trade your way into a collection you'll love. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Wax Pack Hero Sports Card Minute. I want to start today's opening segment with just a, a comment about positivity and negativity online. I just don't understand people who go through life and whose entire existence on social media is focused on negativity and tearing people down. It kind of got me thinking this week as I was observing a couple situations online and I came up with this thought that I tweeted out. I said, when you go through life intently focused on burning bridges, before long you find yourself on an island, bitter and alone. And it just some one of those things that when you go through life, when every interaction you have is focused on negativity and tearing other people down, because I guess somehow that makes you feel better if other people are as miserable as you are, that that's no way to go through life. That that doesn't end well for anybody. And you know, even one of the, the responses that I got to that tweet said, I absolutely agree, but when you go through life brown nosing and afraid to take a stand on anything, well, let's just say life ain't so bad on an island. And I thought, well, why does that have to be the only other option? It, it's not an A or a B. It's not I go through life and I am focused on negativity and tearing people down or I'm a brown noser. There's a there's a balance in between there where you can still be positive and you can still appropriately call out things that needed to be called out, but you can also do them in a manner that might actually move things forward, not just make other people want to cut off all dialogue with you. And so I just see that time and time again, somebody going after somebody and in their efforts to show how smart they are and, and show how right they are, they not only make themselves look foolish, but they also just burn bridge after bridge after bridge. And there's more people that get cut off and don't care what you have to say anymore. And, and that's just no way to go through life. And so my encouragement to you is when you're thinking about interacting with people online, it's okay to not be cheerful and rosy all the time. It's okay that you're going to call out some things that don't always go that great. But think about how you do it. Are you having a, a productive conversation, a productive dialogue, or are you just burning bridges and leaving a wake of destruction in your path? 
Hopefully it's the former. Hopefully you're having productive conversations where you're building a relationship and you're having meaningful conversation to help other people understand where you're where you're coming from and you're not just cutting everybody off and making people not care at all what you have to say anymore. Anyway, that's a side note. That's our introductory topic. That has nothing to do with our our main our main topic today, and that is a conversation with Tyler Schmidt, who's a general manager for 1.37 p.m., and he is one of the co-hosts of Card Talk, and I had a chance to sit down with Tyler for a little while and talk about his background and talk about cards and, and his perspective on the current card environment that we find ourselves in today, so I hope you enjoy that conversation. Now let me tell you about underdog collectibles. Are you a collector that dreamed of opening a card shop in the 90s? Well, these guys did it. Join the Underdog Collectibles community by visiting their shop in Knoxville, Tennessee, by joining their live breaks that are on YouTube and Facebook, or by subscribing to their Whatnot feed. Wherever you buy, sell, and trade, you can always bet on the Underdog. Search for them across every platform by searching for UDog Collect. And when you do, tell them that Wax Pack Hero sent you. This is Ty Dillon, and you're listening to the Wax Pack Hero Sports Card Minute. Well, Tyler Schmidt is the GM at 1.37 p.m. He's one of the co-hosts of Card Talk, and he is with us here today to have a conversation for the Wax Pack Hero Sports Card Minute. So, Tyler, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Mike. I am very happy to be here. I'm excited to talk about some cards right now. Yeah, we got a chance. I mean, I think we first connected online just with some direct messages on Twitter. I had yep. a chance to have a couple brief conversations at the National this last year and decided it, it might be good to, to connect for a, a conversation for the show. And so I'm glad we get a chance to do that. One of the things that I always like to do when I bring on a guest is have them tell a little bit about their origin story. So maybe mm -hmm. we can start by Tyler telling us how how did you get into cards? Totally. Um Full stop, Gary. I have now worked November 11th. So I think that's coming up this week, like Wednesday, a little under a week. will be eight years to the day that I started working uh, working for Gary. And I, for the majority of those eight years, was kind of his assistant, you know, right hand, making sure everything that needed to get done got done. And obviously he talked so much about, you know, what sports cards meant for him, what he taught him in business, what have you, was really like always his story. It was like it got him on his entrepreneurial kind of kick. Um, and and then about four years ago, really his his youngest son kind of coming, you know, into an age of being able for them to go do trips um, enabled them. I think it was four maybe years ago that they went out to the National in Cleveland, I think it was. Um, and... And so I, that was the first taste because I set up that whole trip for them. I kind of got in touch with the convention da, 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 they, and he came back from that show with like a happiness that I hadn't seen from him in a very long time. And so kind of that year slowly kind of built up, you know, our conversations. He started doing some collecting, what have you. Um, and then we all went out to Chicago. So that was, I I guess two now, maybe a little over two yeah, 2019, 2019. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Um, and we all went out to Chicago and it was, it was some of the most eye opening days of like my life, to be honest, just kind of like altering in the sense of obviously Gary's business abilities and kind of expertise, but leading up to that, Gary did the deal with tops. 
So I, I got close with them. I oversaw, I project managed that whole thing, you know, designs working very close, um, coming off the back end of the K Swiss thing. So I was in it there. And then we got to, to the national and spent five days, you know, running the booth with Gary and we had the tops project. And, you know, for me, it was, I hadn't been in, I've, I've, I've loved eBay. I grew up, my mother, some may say is a hoarder, tchotchkes, small things like your desk behind you has always looked like my desk. I have random little things everywhere, always at all times, you know, like I just like collecting. So that, that part was natural. The, the two-way marketplace nature of being at the national going down to one end of, of, you know, that, that hall in Rosemont and seeing a card priced 20% differently than at another booth. And the ability to do those transactions was like, wow, this is sweet layered on top of like, wait, I believe that. And this, and, and really then what was the tipping point was me walking into that. My passion was soccer mm -hmm. and I was so blown away at the price of a Cristiano Ronaldo mega crack, like PSA 10 comparatively to like Mike Trout. Right. And I'm like, wait, no, <laughs> that's wild. So, so all of those things immediately, I was like, oh my goodness. One, I, the, the ability of was like literally bought a card. I bought a card. I bought a, <laughs> this is crazy. I bought an Mbappe. PSA 10 Panini foot sticker. Okay. Which now does crazy numbers. I think I bought it for like $350 and I sold it to Gary's brother, AJ for like 500. Mm -hmm. That car got up to $20,000 since, yep. but I, the, the, the feeling that I got of selling that car, I was like, I got them, you know? Like, uh, and, uh, and so it was, it just became a blast from there. And it, it really was soccer for me. Everything, like all my cards mainly are soccer, De Bruyne, Sancho. So what happened was I then obviously started to do content in around it. And there was a very small kind of crew doing that. And then it just became the most fun thing and, and friends. And, you know, we got to know Ryan, who I think is just a top tier human and yep. I've more or less had less had the ability to draft off of him, you know, since then I just like to provide some color commentary here and there. That's great. You know, I think when you have that context, right, it just opens up a whole new lens to view things through. Right. And so I, that's why I love to hear those origin stories because now you have that context to process everything else that you say when I listen mm -hmm. to you every yeah. week on, on totally. the show, right. It just helps yeah. frame everything and lets you think about things so much deeper. Yeah. One of the things I like about the show, and you kind of just hit on it, is that you have a mix of different hobby experience levels, right? So you and Lou, like you said, you're kind of newer to yeah, the card totally. game, right? And then yeah. you've got Ryan, who's a vet with day-to-day -day yeah. operational experience and can bring that in. How has your understanding of the overall market and collecting grown over these last couple of years as you've gotten more into it and had a chance to connect with others in the, in the hobby? Yeah. Um, an immense amount. You know, I think that something that I've, I, oh, I love Ryan for, and, and, you know, everyone is just the, the little pockets of collectors in and around players, little pockets of product, you know, that there are so, there's so much kind of, I think, history and 
understanding of why this thing means more than that. Why is this valued in that way? And I think the more you start to pick up on those things, what I believe I enjoy and, and what I would say I, where Ryan and I've had a great relationship and Lou is that when I understand those things, I think I'm able to synthesize, synthesize what I think will happen ahead. And, and I think that that is um, what's been so fun is the more people I meet, you know, our, our initial conversations, just like being able to learn of like how things were and then think about where things are going. Like when we've had the fanatics conversation, um, you know, with Ryan and and whether that brings kind of some sort of fear or uncomfortability in the room, I think we are able to have great combos because of what has always been and what I believe then where it may be going. And so I think what's, what's grown for me is just understanding the, the depth of it, the already in place operations, what they mean, why they're important, why certain products are important, what changes meant in the past and, and where they're going. And um, generally it's just been fun. That's like, so the more fun I have, like I, I have a bug right now to get back to a show. We really were going to all those Dallas shows and meeting with people and, and sales and learning and, and understanding the content. Our content's evolved a tremendous amount. The show, you know, we do a lot more just kind of like banter and trying to layer current happenings into the card market versus being kind of very like data driven. I think card ladder for one does an amazing job in that regard and, and have kind of settled into our space. So it's kind of like compounding. I'm, I'm stuck on this notion of time compounding right now. And I think every day that goes by, there's just more connections, more, you know, content that's coming from different places, um, more stories. Josh Luber just put out, I haven't read yet. Josh Luber just put out a 53 page kind of manifesto why sports cards are cool. Right. And I think digesting that is, is going to be fun. And then giving my thoughts on, on what that is as another layer you know, my thoughts on whatever is read from that are going to be much different than Ryan's yep. or much different than whoever. And I think what I've loved is finding individuals within it that do have all of these different takes and, and, and try to synthesize how they're seeing it. And so that's what I would say has grown for me. The more people you meet, the more context you have, just like you brought up about my story, right? Yep. That's, that's what I think it's been. Yeah. I, uh, speaking of that piece that Josh just put out, I just, published a 1700 word um, response to, to that post Did of, you? Kind of, Did of, you? of me kind of synthesizing his 53 pages into uh, about 1700 words of, of my takeaways from that, you know, what I yep. got out of that, um, that article and those thoughts and what that might mean for the future. So definitely spend some time looking at that. I because will I sure. think that that, um, that paper he put together has some really insightful takeaways if you look deep enough. So definitely put Amazing. in some time to, to reading through through Josh's, Josh's paper there. You know, nice. you talked about, you know, your first attraction maybe being the fun that comes from flipping and finding those arbitrage in, uh, opportunities right there, right? Mm -hmm. How has that influenced or has that evolved to your own personal collection? Yeah. Like kind of what have you moved from from maybe initially being drawn in for that that flip mm -hmm. or that entrepreneurial opportunity? Yeah. Has that developed a passion for your own collection, things that you want to totally. keep that are meaningful for you? Totally. And it's funny because I have always had a passion for collecting, right? I think what is uh, like I, like I mentioned in the beginning, it's just I am into collecting a lot of things. Like I keep this on my desk. And I don't, I, I yep. like 
really don't drink much. Yeah. <laughs> this doesn't get use, but I really like this. I'm a Grateful Dead fan. And like for the one or two times a year that I use this, no, it sits on my desk because I like collecting it. And I think what the 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 arbitrage, I think the fun nature of that is understanding what other people also may like collecting. And I think through that kind of journey of being in it from a business standpoint where you're not just, hey, maybe going to a show and I like that, buy it, never think about selling it. You're able to start to curate. I've always had this real passion for curation, which is why NFTs um, feel so fun for me because I and I have all these podcasts from, from before, whether it was the K-Swiss designing those sneakers, we work with influencers a lot. I've always had a passion for kind of curating individuals that I'm fi I find interesting. And Instagram was huge for that. So for me, it's about like, right, obviously, I think PMGs are hot in the market right now. But I, uh, uh, there's something about them that I'm fascinated. My The number one card that I have is I'm probably down like over 50% on it. But the Jordan Interlake, I, I think, yep. is arguably the most beautiful piece of anything i've seen in the hobby like it's it it was a you know pamphlet like filler for the a youth boys club in right. chicago you know but it's 85 yep. and uh and it's him coming down the lane tongue out crossing over jordan one's on you know 23 and and it's beautiful and i will i i won't sell that card and and that's been fun because buying and selling allowed me to purchase it at a point where the price i knew like is high and may never get back to that spot, but I I couldn't care less. Yeah, I think that's one of the things that I like about the hobby so much is that it can be so many different things to different people depending on what they're passionate about. Totally. And I've got some of those similar joys. Some of the I enjoy the buying and selling, but I enjoy it because it allows me to raise funds that let mm -hmm. me build my collection for essentially free. Right. Yeah. So I'm I'm gonna hold up like this card here. I, I was finally able to get my Let's Jordan you know Fleer rookie. Nice. But it means it's not just that I have that card, but knowing that that card was free mm -hmm. because of the profits that I made from buying and selling makes yeah. it that much more enjoyable for me, right? There's people connected to that card. There's relationships you've formed that are connected to that card, you yeah. know? And and I think that also in the buying and selling, what I, what, what I learned in that week at, what I learned in that week at, uh, at the National was that there's a way I think sales generally are pitted and it may be because one, I'm a white male that grew up kind of in the tri-state area, like making money a lot of times, not maybe isn't looked down upon, but like for middle-class and below, like it's about white guys and ties. And when I think about arbitrage, it's like dudes that have control that can like charge you on the up for like buying and selling stocks. And what I learned in that week was like, you can, you can, like Ryan does an amazing job in this, but like people are okay with paying price for things if they want it. And, and you can sell something to someone that you're making margin off of that. They're happy about the price and everyone can leave in a great way. And there's real dynamics to that in terms of relationship yep. and customer service and learnings from it and how to treat like customers. And so not only do you now have that card that for zero cost basis or what have you, but there's many relationships that you'll have forever that are just like how you got there. Yeah. And, yeah. and I value that's been the fun part is like, there's just, 
it's cool. I enjoy meeting people and connecting with people. And there's stories of that. There's people that I've sold card to that have doubled up and like, I'm pumped about it because we're always laughing about it now. Yep. And vice versa. And, and that stuff is good. And as long as you kind of go into it that way, that's really was a huge unlock to me it was like, wow, you are able to fuel your interests and passions and you don't have to, it doesn't have to be about burying other people, which we joke about on the podcast, like in like slang and whatnot. But the reality is like, I think growing up, I always thought about that, like sales functionality is like trying to get people over like the used car salesman, Matilda, right? Like they spin back the dial, like we're going to resell this thing, you know, and they don't know what we did to it. But then, then same thing, like, uh, Again, back to my mother, we, we go and visit this, you know, uh, Danish furniture, they refurbish furniture. And like, there's a, there's a skill and a craft to curating and finding these things and then, and then consolidating them into a marketplace for other people to be able to come as a trusted source. And you should be able to charge a premium for that. Let's, let's spend a few minutes talking about maybe the, the current card market that we, we find ourselves into, right? These last couple of years have been pretty crazy from the, mm-hmm. the card market. This you know, at the same time, we've had a lot of new entrants to the market, sure. or we've had people who are re-entering the market who collected mm-hmm. as kids. And this is all of all that they know, right? Um, this last couple of years, it's been easy for people to buy slab and then flip, right? And it, mm-hmm. it seems like the audience that you've attracted has is maybe some of those newer newer folks, right? Who have mm-hmm. who have liked to approach the the card market in that way, guys yeah. who like to to buy and, and try to get that Jimmy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, so, exactly. Mm-hmm. So over the last couple of years, that's been fairly easy to do. But yeah. now that we're starting to see some things stabilize, pull back a little bit for uh, a more extended period of time, I was just curious on your perspective from the the conversations you've had. Do you think the folks in that group are, are going to stick around and, and maybe figure out what it takes to make money in this flat or stable market? Yeah, I, I do, actually. I really do. Um, because in the conversations that I, I've had, there is kind of two things. One, the learnings that they've gotten from it and whether they then are using that to create an app or they move out of it and are doing vintage t-shirt selling or they decided it was so that the learning side of it or then the financial side of it which they got all this money and turned it into an nft and then that's gone there like and flowed but what i've always the core thing is that i don't feel or at least vibes i've got is there's been no i haven't caught any bit of we used the hobby yep i believe that it's always been when I talk to individuals that were buying raw flipping trays, buying trays for 50, for 75, buying Luca for 150 and where it's at now, every single one of them leaves with an incredible thankfulness and gratitude and, and realization that like this hobby is cool, cool and relevant and alive and thriving. And I think that there's a lot of value in that right? Like just the shared ecosystem. And so why, why people may come and go, I believe that it's the impact that brands tops Panini, what Prism means. And we've seen it in athletes too. Like they, they are now aware of their cards more than just 
to dump deal and, and throw it off. And so I think that there's value in that while they may not be still, and they, we throw out these words, but people may not be as active in the buying and selling, especially in just the base market. I believe that the general understanding and continual gravitas towards the hobby having a larger demand pool is only gaining momentum because each person that has been able to have it impact their life in a positive way remains to feel that way about it. And I don't know if that was the case. And I'd love maybe to hear from you for a second of like at the end of the junk wax arrow, like where people, where the overall like thought towards baseball cards were, whether there was like some big rug pull or like F that, that was dumb. You know, I, I don't see that sentiment at all. Obviously, Robinhood's gone crazy. NFT market's gone crazy. Alternative asset, rally, dibs, everything. There's so much money in it. I don't see a pullback in overall sentiment towards what it means. Yeah, I just wanted to get your perspective on that because I think there are, there's a segment of the card community that maybe has been around a long time that that's their, that's their worry. That's their thought about some of the newer entrants, right? Is they're just here for the money and then they're going to bail and yeah. they don't care about the cards. They just care about the money. But I think I want to get your perspective on that because I think that sometimes they lose sight of, of what you just talked about, that, that end of the junk wax era, right? What happened to those folks? Many of them took a break. What's mm -hmm. part of the resurgence that we've seen recently is those people coming back because yeah. they remembered how fun it was. There's something that sparked their renewed interest. Their kids, they were able to share well, yeah, I used to do that. I used to be a part of that community. I used to do that actively. And mm -hmm. so that even if some of these folks do end up taking a break, walking away, scaling back their level of involvement, that doesn't necessarily mean that we don't still end up with a net positive at the end of the day. I, I completely agree. I mean, I, I think complex cons happening this weekend uh, in, um, what is that, like in Long Beach and there's going to be a lot of card stuff there, right? Like no doubt about it. And there's going to be new entrants that are there doing collaborations in and around cards. We've seen what Ski's done. Like is Ski going to continue to do an eBay deal for the end of time and do collaborations? Like probably not. And there's like, th that's a different level of like, are the same people flipping Zions right now? Like, no, but has that, made a real impact that has overall going to lead to more long-term sustainable health of this hobby? Like, yes, it is. And so I, I understand and see both sides of it, but the, the reality is fanatics, one of the most innovative, bigger like businesses and sports are now in this because of all that's happened. Yes. Are um, media companies like 137 PM or the boardroom, Kevin Durant's, own and operated business have key segments in and around sports cards. Yes. Bar store sports. Yes. So like the long tail of it will still exist. The, the rip up and rip down like in short term. Sure. And again, empathetic to those that are concerned because they also may have then made moves based on this newer market that is no longer potentially there in the short term understanding of that too. That, yep. that makes sense. Um, but the, 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 the cultural impact that is, is still playing out, I think that part is still early. And you'll see that Josh has that same conclusion in his, in his white paper. And so, yeah, 
couple more questions for you to, before we wrap things up today. First is what would be something that would make you start to lose interest in the hobby? Not much, to be honest. The thing that the only thing I've struggled with at times, and this is just like in full transparency is like, uh, negative feedback. Like you put yourself out there content wise and like, I believe, and I think it's happening in NFTs. And I had a lot of conversations this weekend is like, um, there's no confusion like with, to me. And there is a lot of confusion internally that I believe that the hobby is insular and doesn't want a lot of people to come in. And yet they use it as a guise to be like, you don't know that whatever the NF NFT is doing it on 10 X. NFT is in the, the community, crypto Twitter, good morning, good morning, positive vibes. We love each other. And then one person comes in with a different thought and they're like, you. And so that is real because of my relationship with Gary and like what people think. When I read a comment that's like, you're just a that, you know, voices, whatever Gary says, like I, that hurts me. Sure. That hurts me. And, and so that's like the answer. And there's. I'm I'm really happy right now and in a really good spot and we're having a ton of fun with card talk and like our relationship with eBay and like what 137 PM is building and what I strive to bring, which is education and the ability to provide different entrance points and curiosity of what the hobby is. Um, and so like I say that, but there's been weeks where like we'll put out an episode and I, we just get certain feedback and I'm like, like, I don't want to do this. Yep. Yeah. yeah I, I but know no, that. like, I love cards. Like, I love yep. my cards a lot. And so th that's why I say, like, not much because I'll always want to be in that. But, like, from the content and, and pushing it, which, yeah, that can get tough, but that can for most people. And sure. emotions are a tricky thing. What's something that you're looking forward to card related in the coming months? This next year, I think event wise is going to be pretty sweet. Uh, I really do. Um, I think that um, I'm excited to see the continuous transition between how these licenses are playing out, what Tops is going to do. They have a, a, a brand with real IP that there's going to be big time. That's like macro business stuff. How does that play out? Who's going to be printing these cards for uh, fanatics? How are they going to be selling them? Who are they going to be working with? What does the brand prism end up meaning? But I think I'm excited to see this Mint Collective event in Vegas in January. Mm -hmm. um, I'm excited for we'll do another Card Talk Live. Um, I'm excited to continue to see new collaborations. I think you'll start to see fashion more come into the space. You think about things like Off-White and Nike and those brands. Again, like the long-term impact hasn't really happened yet, I believe. Um, and... Uh, and so I think 2022 is going to be, I was, I watched the game at, at, at Gary's last night, the Jets game, Mike White <laughs> breaks his arm and like the first throws a touchdown, breaks his arm, game over. Um, but I'm excited. I, we, I said, looked at him and I said, we're really going to double down on uh, our coverage and, and content, you know, in and around the space um, in 2022. And I'm excited about that because I believe it's stronger than ever. Like today, I believe today, Friday, November 5th, it's in the best place it's been in the last two and a half years. Well, where can people find you and where can people find the show? Uh, Twitter for me, Tyler at Ty Schmidt five is my handle. Ty Schmidt five. Um, 
and then and then the show really i love youtube the comment section that's kind of where we build the nice community um 1 p.m youtube and then our producer jason does a great job with like clips on social at, at card talk pod on instagram and, and twitter and whatnot um so it's been fun yeah i i think we've got a good year ahead i'm i'm like really starting to do some research um there's a couple of key cards i, I want to i'm i'm looking at for sure um that cristiano card and, and some some hockey stuff to be frank um with espn like i just really believe in it the rangers are playing well chris Kreider, who i've loved for a long 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 time is having a nice year and uh i'm looking at picking up some random stuff like that so i feel good good yeah. deal well thanks again tyler i, I appreciate, appreciate it time. you too man thanks for having me on the sports card shop is your small town local card shop with the global reach located in new buffalo michigan the shop is one of the most accessible in the Midwest. In addition to being an authorized Panini Direct Dealer, the Sports Card Shop carries all major trading card brands, including Tops, Upper Deck, Pokemon, Yu-Gi-Oh!, and more. With all that new wax, a half million singles, and showcases full of graded cards, you're sure to find something great for your collection, whether you're just starting out or a seasoned collector. The Sports Card Shop is your one-stop shop. So call us, come see us, or visit us on the web and social media. Our phone number is 269-469-0140. Website is thesportscardshop at moco.com. The Sports Card Shop is part of the MoCo Retail Group, connecting sports, the hobby, and people around the world. Thanks again to Tyler for coming on. One of the things that I took away from that conversation that I hope everybody else picked up on too is that there's so much benefit that can come from listening and seeking out input from people who are in other segments of the hobby. Whether you're a new collector who's recently entered our collecting world in the last couple of years, learning about what the history of collecting has been like over the last hundred years, or whether you're a hobby veteran who can ask and understand what it is about this, this hobby market and cards that attracts the newer entrants and the flippers into, into the market. There's so much that can be learned from having those conversations. And I think we talked a little bit about that in this conversation. Tyler and Ryan and Lou, they have those same types of conversations on Card Talk. And I would encourage you to check out that show as well. I want to hear from you now. Let me know what you think. Reach out to me on Twitter at TheMikeSummer. Send me an email at WaxPackHero at gmail.com and leave me a rating and review on your podcast app of choice. I want to know what you took away from this conversation and what, also what I could be doing better. Leave me some feedback. Well, that's all I've got for you today, so I'll catch you next time.